Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Edwin. Happy Monday, sir. Hello, Andrew. Happy Monday to you. It's a great day to be together to look at the Word of God, and we are moving forward in Matthew, Matthew chapter 15. I want to have a conversation about worship today. You up for that? Absolutely. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men." I can't help but notice as we kick off here that the Pharisees are fine with using the disciples to try to get at Jesus. Okay, we've got this situation here where they want to come and they want to talk to Jesus about his disciples. And this is at least the second time that they've done that. I, I call back to Matthew 12 when Jesus' disciples were walking through the field and there was some grain there and they were hungry. So it said they took a little and ate a little. And the Pharisees at that occasion in Matthew 12, verse 2 said, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. An accusation that they're violating the Sabbath, breaking the Sabbath. Uh, it's kind of similar here. Now we're upset that the disciples aren't washing their hands. And so Jesus, give account for this. You know, your disciples violate the Sabbath. Your disciples, they have no respect, have no respect for the traditions. Well, the assumption I think is, and an accurate assumption, disciples act based on their teacher's teaching. Mm -hmm. And so if they are doing these things, surely it is because their master has taught them that this is okay. Mm -hmm. We don't understand why on earth would you teach them that they don't have to wash their hands. The elders have said for generations that we must wash our hands. This seems like a really, really good rule. After all, we want to be clean. Well, and I appreciate what you're saying, that the disciples are going to be like the teacher in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was teaching the people to be mindful that there would be false teachers, yes. and how will you know them? By their fruit, right? Absolutely. Listen to their words, look what they're producing, and disciples, followers, are what they're producing. Luke chapter 6 and verse 40 is very clear that a disciple cannot go beyond his teacher, mm -hmm. but when he's fully trained, will become like his teacher. And so a disciple reflects upon the teacher. You know, I wasn't thinking about that as we were coming into this paragraph, but there's something to be said there for us today. If we're disciples of Jesus, we need to recognize that we reflect yeah. upon Jesus. Here, they're I, asking Jesus, why are your disciples doing this? And Jesus is going to point out, because I taught them and it's okay, but sometimes when folks look at me, they might be asking Jesus, why is your disciple doing that? And Jesus' response is going to be, I don't know. That's not what he learned from me. Well, that was one of the, the things that crossed my mind, that in a similar way today, we need to be reflecting our master. But a similar strategy of the enemy is going to be to attack the disciples, really to try to say something about the Lord, yeah. really to try to discredit the Lord. 
And I think you make a good point. I need to be mindful then that I really am obedient from the heart to the Lord so that I am not attacked, so that I don't bring shame to Christ. I appreciate you using that phrase, obedient from the heart. Yes. I think that gets right to the point of this paragraph as it's talking about worship and true worship and meaningful worship, or actually in this passage, talking about vain worship. By contrast, we can learn from it. Useful, meaningful worship. And it really does get back to the heart. Obeying from the heart. I don't know who all listens to the text talk. We love every single one of them. But I do think it's a bit of a novel concept within Christendom today that not everything that is called worship would actually be accepted as worship. Not everything that is called worship is pleasing to God. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Let me make sure I'm understanding you clearly. When you say you think it's a novel concept in Christendom, do you think that uh, as opposed to what everybody else who doesn't claim to be Christian thinks, or that even among people who claim to be Christians, it's novel to say some worship isn't acceptable? Yeah, I appreciate that. No, I actually think it is among those who profess to be Christians a novel idea that not everything so-called Christian worship is acceptable and pleasing to God. Because there are plenty of folks that claim to be Christian and assume that just, well, I I believe Jesus, and I'm saying this is about Jesus, so it's just okay. You think there's a lot of people saying that? Exactly. I think that it is a novel idea to say something is a vain worship, that here here are, you're saying the right name, it's directed in the right, uh, you know, in the right way, and yet it is futile and it is empty, and this gets corrected. You mentioned, this is not in our passage today, but you mentioned something about using the right name or it's in the right name. We do find in Scripture the idea of doing everything according to the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Yes. And it does seem that for a lot of us, a lot of people, as we look around, especially at just how different so many churches are doing so many different things, some some even contradictory to what others are doing, that that there's almost a concept that as long as I say Jesus' name, yes. I'm doing it in Jesus' name. Is well, that is that what it means to do things in the name of Jesus? Number one, I've seen many examples of that in writings and in public teaching where people say all that all the only issue about a about worship is a is a sincerity, is a good feeling among the worshipers. In other words, if if you're feeling good about it, then God feels good about it. I think a text like this points to the truth. There's more to it than that. Um, and then secondly, following up to what you said there. About I, Jesus' name. Yeah. So that puts me in mind of Matthew 7. Okay, well, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. I, okay. I think we've had this theme introduced in Matthew before that it's not just enough to stamp the name of Jesus on something. And actually in the scripture, I believe the proper interpretation is to do in the name of the Lord is to do by the authority of the Lord in accordance with the will of the Lord. And that is expressed in the word of the Lord. My mom, when I was a kid, I saw in her Bible on front page, and I, I have, in several of the Bibles I've owned, I've written this. I don't, I don't think I have it in the front of this one, but I remember she had a statement that said, it is impossible to, or excuse me, here's how it went, two words that can never be said together, no Lord, because if you tell him no, mm-hmm. then he's not your Lord. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to call him Lord, you'll never tell him no. Never tell him no. Now, obviously, wow. I, you know, obviously, I, I get that if he's asking you a question and the answer is no, you would say no, Lord. But the the idea of when he's giving you a statement, when he's giving you an instruction, you would never ever say no, 
Lord. I'm not going to do things my way. I'm going to do things his way. Mm-hmm. It's honoring God, which is one of the reasons why when here at the Livingston Congregation, Andrew, when we talk about disciples, we have our discipleship circle that points right. out that disciples honor God and learn from God and love like God and lead others to God. But around that whole circle is that idea all while abiding in God's Word. That's right. I'm not honoring God unless I'm honoring Him His way. Mm -hmm. I'm not learning from God unless I'm learning from His Word. I'm not loving like God unless my love is defined by His Word. Mm -hmm. I'm not leading others to God unless I'm leading them there by His Word. So you would look at these Pharisees, and they're not uh, lacking in their attendance at synagogue or in their participation of public services. In fact, Jesus pointed out, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, these are the guys that are going to be standing up front in the best seats, blowing the trumpets, make sure you know about all the alms, okay? They're the, quote, leaders in all the worship, which I think it makes it all the more remarkable that here you are trying to profess worship and lead the people in worship, and you're guilty of Feudal worship, vain worship. Not only at the synagogue, but I think even at the temple. You know, I think they're going to be all about dotting the I's and crossing the T's and holding those priests accountable to make sure they offer those sacrifices exactly correctly. I think the Pharisees and scribes especially are going to do that since very commonly priests were among the Sadducees. Not, mm-hmm. not not completely, but commonly. And, of course, Pharisees and scribes were of a different sect. So they'd, be, they'd have their eye on those priests. You guys are going to do this right. We're going we're gonna to dot the I's. We're going to cross the T's. This is, okay, so this is where this paragraph is hitting me this week as we're reading it. Very commonly throughout my years as a Christian and my years as a preacher, I've come to this passage to, to talk about idea of worshiping according to God's pattern, of making sure that we are worshiping according to what God has authorized. And uh, I would even use this to say that we shouldn't have creed books and manuals and ritual books because we don't need the traditions of men. The we doctrines of men. Yeah, yeah. We, don't need, we don't need men to write out for us the things that we're supposed to do. We have the Bible. We have the New Testament. I think all of that is taught here, but this week what really hit me is that the issue about their feudal worship actually wasn't about the way they were worshiping. What mm-hmm. was specifically worship actually looked like they were fo- probably following the pattern. They have the forms correct. They're they're sacrificing correctly. Mm-hmm. They're the things that they're doing to teach the word, I think those are correct. Their prayers, Mm -hmm. as far as the things that they're saying and the forms and the rituals, they're doing all that. What makes their worship futile actually isn't what they're doing, and I've got my quotes up here, in worship or at their worship time. It's something that they're doing outside of worship that is making their worship futile. Mm -hmm. And that's what concerns me. Absolutely. Because what that says for me is I may be getting, and again, air quotes, church correctly. Mm-hmm. I may be doing that exactly right. I may have opened up the Word of God and have figured out the pattern, and I know here's how I'm supposed to sing, and here's how I'm supposed to pray, and here's the giving, and the Lord's Supper, and the preaching, and uh, the reading of Scripture, and whatever kinds of things are supposed to happen as I've come together with the church to worship. Right, right. I may be in my private worship, going into my prayer closet, and praying the way God wants me to pray. But if I am walking out into the world and mistreating my parents— Mm-hmm. mistreating my spouse. I bring up parents because that's what he brings up for, yeah, verse for, four. for this law. Yep. My spouse, my kids, I, if, I'm, if I'm not following God on the job or at school, what he says is that what I'm doing on Sunday or what I'm doing in my prayer closet, that's actually useless and futile in that situation. Mm-hmm. Because you're living with this disconnect. 
he, he's only the Lord uh, on a Sunday. And I think that's a huge misconception about Christianity. Well, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it means I have somewhere to be on Sunday, you know, for an hour or two. <laughs> right. <laughs> and maybe on Wednesday night. I mean, maybe, but those are like, you know, really hardcore. <laughs> Really hardcore Christians, right? You know, uh, it, it's uh, the idea of the ever, I guess, the ever passing away cultural Christianity. Yeah. You know, that in name only, in name only. And, and that's what we're seeing here, that you make a mockery of all of this, uh, you know, worship to the Lord, when really it, it, the day in and day out service, again, the example of treating the parents correctly and even in their agedness and in their need, uh, how are you going to break that relationship and violate God's will in that area of life and then pretend when you come together with the church or with God's people, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all in here, I'm all in here. The mistake that can be made is the idea that if I get, again, air quotes, church, I'm using that metaphorically, if I get church right, if we scour the pages of Scripture and figure out all the issues of the pattern about what the church is supposed to do when they've come together to worship, when we've come together to worship, then the rest of my life, hmm, I can do whatever. Yeah. That is totally bogus. Yeah. Worship is meaningful, not simply because we've walked through patternistic rules, but because our heart is drawn near to God and our worship is the overflow of that mm -hmm. throughout our whole lives. When, when we get our heart near to God, then the pattern will follow. Yeah. It is not true, though, that when I get the pattern right, that the heart will follow. As we keep going through Matthew, we're going to revisit these Pharisee scribes and, and some of their issues again and again, but we're going to have to put a pin in it for today. We're so glad that you've joined us as we begin talking Matthew 15. Uh, let us know what you're learning from this paragraph. Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's pray. A great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for this scripture. Father, help it to, to teach us. I, I know, Father, there's a real temptation here that when we read the scripture, we know Jesus and the disciples are the good guys and the Pharisees are the bad guys. Uh, help us, Father, to be open enough to consider and ask the hard questions. Who am I looking more like in this text? Am I being a true disciple that reflects well upon the Lord? Father, or am I playing at it and looking more like the Pharisees? God, help us to make those corrections, to walk sincerely in spirit and in truth, in your word and your will, to glorify you in a true worship. You are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.